Hello, and welcome to A Call for Love. I believe the most powerful gift you can offer yourself is to give and receive love more freely. I'm your host, Linda Orsini, meditation guide and spiritual coach. Everyone has the desire to be seen, heard, respected, and loved. The journey to becoming more connected to your greater purpose lies within the ability to live from the deep source of love within you. Let's begin. Hello, A Call for Love listeners. Are you ready for more? It's time for part two of my conversation with Antonia, the author of Dismantling the Third Dimension. And if you haven't checked out part one yet, I highly recommend you give it a listen. It really sets the stage for this insightful episode that's about to unfold. I love this second half of our conversation. We touch upon a touchy topic, actually, the topic of victim mentality and the raw emotions of pain that so many of us experience and how owning your pain can lead to powerful lessons. We also talk about overcoming challenges and handling discomfort. Our focus is really on breaking free from the grips of our pain-centered stories. Not easy, but so paramount if we want to really live with greater joy. And then finally, building trust in the healing journey about surrendering to the unknown. Really, it's about braving, letting go of our fears driven by our ego and embracing the transformative magic of, you guessed it, what I always talk about, self-compassion and stillness. So get ready for a deep dive into self-discovery and empowerment. And welcome to part two of my conversation with Antonia. As we're talking about these emotions, such as pain, I would like to dive into another set of emotions, which I would really love to hear your take on this. Victim mentality. I have this yin and yang inner dialogue with myself about victim mentality. Can you shed some light on that? Yeah. And I'm always cautious because I, you know, I always want to honor the pain story, the pain that somebody's experienced. But I think most of us recognize the power comes when we, re- when we can see what that pain taught us why maybe that pain landed there or how I am sitting with that pain. And when we start to bring awareness into what that pain was there to do and how it served us, then we free ourselves from our pain. And often we recognize, we hear from a lot of people who are especially walking a particularly quote unquote spiritual path that they say, you know, X never would have happened unless I'd gone through that shit storm. Excuse my language. So I need it. I can see why I needed to be that uncomfortable in order to get to this understanding. If we come from a framework then that says, well, then really, which I believe I decided to come down here into this pain reality in order to learn from the pain reality. That's my choice. And I want to own then all pain, whether this 3D mind understands it or not. Some part of me does. And I want to release myself from any part of me that thinks that. I can't overcome something, that there's something here I can't learn from, that there's something here that I'm not meant to own completely in order to mine all of its wisdoms. 
And I can't mine all of its wisdoms unless I go, yes, that pain is all mine. That thing there that's hurting in my body, I've got to own all of it. Every tiny molecule of discomfort, it can't be anybody else's responsibility. Therefore, I can't blame anybody. If I want to allow my entire being to get in there to heal it and transform it, it's got to be all mine. I can't hand it over. Otherwise, it's going to be stuck. Victim says it's somebody else's fault. Victim says, I'm uncomfortable. This is your fault. And I think that that is now very disempowering. And I used to work in that, you know, we don't want to victim blame. But from, a, from an understanding of our own power and our own capacity and need to heal, we need to own it. We have to, otherwise it's going to stay there. So if it's a big giant pain, we go, yes, I'm sorry, this really hurt. Of course it hurt. The world's a bad place. I'm really sorry for you. But then when we start to move past that really acute pain phase, and we can arrive at a place that goes, okay, I'm ready. And now I can go, I can see it all. I can be with it all. I've got to own it all. I got to let go anybody else's responsibility so that now I can transform it and turn this into a higher frequency of love and compassion. And I can only do that if I own all of it and let go of any part of me that feels a victim to somebody else. I think it's, it's about my own empowerment to make sure that, and the victim story comes up all the time, right? Any conflict with my partner, oh, you, blah, 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 right? It really wants to start blaming. But if I'm going to transform and transcend anything, I've got to bring him back into me and go, what is it about my reality that I created that I don't want to see that I have to take responsibility for if I'm here to turn it into love, turn it into peace, turn it into connection. I have to own it. It's all mine. That is so powerful because I am being faced by this in just circumstances day in and day out these days. I can't believe it that I am getting into these conversations with people who are really just I don't want to say complaining, but sharing their pain story of how they have been victimized. And I don't mean big. It could be very small. Like somebody insulted somebody. They took it as an insult. Right. And, and I am witnessing it and I'm listening to these stories and I don't really know how to respond to people because I love that you said you have to honor people for their feelings. Yeah. You know, they are in a sense of pain. They feel they have been treated unjustly, and maybe so, and I'm not judging because it is what it is, but I feel like my next step is to hold space for people to have the courage to move through it, but I feel like there's blinders on people that they, it takes so much courage to be with that, and it's almost impossible for some people. And, and that makes sense. This, I think it's thousands of years of pain we're trying to transcend. We are going to need a lot of courage, a lot of courage to get ourselves out of victim stories, to own it, to get back in my own being, in my own reality, instead of doing what we've always done, which is looking for the threat out there. It's a lot of courage. So if somebody wants to go and, and be in, in their complaint, my job is my work is not to judge it. Because of course they're going to complain. We've been doing it for thousands of years. Of course they are. But it is to find a way for me to be at peace with it, for me not to feed it, for me not to judge it. That's my own personal work. And to model what it is to sit in ownership and to model what it is to sit in a high frequency, to model what it is not to live in a culture of complaint. 
to act, to take myself out of that 3D reality so I'm no longer feeding it and keeping us stuck in that place? What can I do when other people are in that space? That's the only place that I can look. And that's not to change complainers, not to change people who feel a victim, but it is for me to sit in the highest, most loving space possible so that I can oof, lift myself up. And if anybody wants to join me and sit in this frequency, then here we go. I completely respect and honor that. I know that I'm a student of A Course in Miracles, just many, I study many wisdom masters and their mentality or their framework is that when you see somebody being a victim to their thoughts, right, that I need to say, where am I being a victim in my life? Exactly. Like it's a mirror. So then I think, okay, what have I said today or yesterday or done that was kind of victim mentality? And then I kind of work on that myself because I feel like everyone's just mirroring to me what is going on inside of me. Exactly. Can you feel as you and I are talking, like the frequency is rising, it's getting crackly, like we're hitting on a truce, right? And that's when the energy goes, So I think it's a vital, vital lesson. And it's a hard one because we're so well-versed in being the victim and we're so well-versed in looking at the other person for crap that we do, right? So, and not looking at ourselves. It is the hardest journey to look at your own pain. Ego is well-trained for thousands of years not to look at our pain, to avoid looking at our own stories. It is very difficult, which is why I think we need to get help and support and create communities and da-da-da-da and see each other lovingly so that we can pull ourselves out of that really sticky but necessary habit. I have my one sister loves this quote. It's not happening to you, but for you. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That takes courage. That takes real courage. A lot. And that's why when somebody's behaving badly, which I don't think is a real thing, you know, it really is to flip my own fear, shame, rage and look at it and go, wow, like that's, you know, I have my own difficult journey and I can see yours. It's not easy either. I honor you, brother, sister, for taking that on. I don't need to have it in my living room because it might be a bit messy, your story, but I can honor it and maybe put a boundary up. Yeah, you know, you don't want to be like a bird that sticks on you. Like you don't want that energy. No, you want to really shed it off. And so I always say that the the higher vibration I can radiate at, then may that just shine more light and empathy and kindness to others. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Really beautiful. It is beautiful, Linda. It is. In your book, Dismantling the Third Dimension, you say none of it is real or there is nothing going on. What do you mean when you're saying that? So, you know, for me, it was sort of this, uh, it, it, the logic just kept winding its way down. And in the beginning, uh, it took a couple of years as I was releasing pain. So I'd have something in the morning, have a giant cry, a big release. Something would move out of me in yoga. Some awfulness would come through, ping, and I'd be in the shower going, wow, the world feels really light right now. What just happened? And suddenly the thing that bothered me didn't bother me. And that would be in a second. So eventually I got to this place after a few years going, but if it can be there one second and then not be there the next, is it actually real? Can, can it actually be called real? 
So I, I began to understand as I continued to release pain stories and layers of trauma, intergenerational trauma, past life trauma, ancestral trauma, whatever you believe it to be, I, I began to understand that I, I think that we've just constructed layers of pain, which construct, layers of core belief, which construct, layers of perception, which construct, layers of behavior. So I think we can peel all back, all that back down, release the fear, and suddenly none of it actually is there at all. Like it doesn't really even exist. So I really challenge this pain reality that when we're ready, we can understand that, that in shedding the pain, we're, we're shedding a reality that is not fixed and therefore is not truth, is not immutable, is not a universal law. It's just something that we've created in this giant, you know, classroom drama of how to transform this fear into something beautiful. So I'm, I'm just, uh, I became very convinced in the worst throes of the most, the deepest agony that it is very important for me to understand that even this, even this worst nightmare where I'm just like, I'm not sure I can do this anymore, that even this is just not real, that this is not fixed, that this is not immutable. As you're speaking, I just have this word that comes up, illusion, illusion, illusion. How many stories and rules and codes am I making up that yeah. are really an illusion? And the pain and suffering I cause myself for even creating deadlines or for mental processes that I have just made up. It's me. It's an illusion. I always have to remind myself. Yeah, I think so. And for those that are more are ready and we're not all ready to have that conversation to really begin to discuss the illusion delusions that I think our pain really is even frees us even more. We kind of see it and we go, oh my Lord, you're not even real. That, and that even facilitates it peeling off even faster. It, I think it really moves it forward. So for those who are ready, I really want to have that conversation. Well, is it real? Are you sure it's real? Maybe, you know, all of that, that discomfort and that shame and that rage. Maybe not so much. Can, we, can we entertain that possibility? And having those conversations, I think, feeds our liberation. Yes. And I often say, I don't know what's best for me. Mm -hmm. I do not know what's best and surrender, surrender, surrender. Scary, isn't it? And so it scary. It's scary if you feel like you're not going to have a net to fall into. You know, back in the day, they would have that uh, when they were building community as a school teacher would have it. And there'd be two people and one person in front would fall into the other person's arm and you had to trust that they were going to catch you. We're not trusting that we are going to be caught, that we are going to be supported. I feel, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself, that I can surrender when I know I'm going to be taken care of and supported and held. And, you know, that doesn't come from like a person. It comes from, from me, from the universe, or from, you know, just that belief system. But yeah, and I think it comes from that disconnection from this 3D reality, because this 3D reality hasn't been very trustworthy. Mm. We haven't been behaving very nicely towards each other for a long, long time, right? We've been raping and pillaging and 
lighting each other on fire for thousands of years. And so in this reality, it makes sense that we have our nervous system and all the fear stories saying, but it's not trustworthy. I can't trust here. And it, that's why it's so hard and, we, and, and really courageous to let that go and connect to those fine threads of intelligence that are coming in going, I, I think you can trust now. I think now you can try it on. Let's see what happens when you try it on. And I think that's what we've been doing since the 60s, 70s, 80s is going, here's a little thread. Try this on and see if you can build a little trust in the fact that there's so much, something so much bigger going on, that actually there's a bigger lesson going on, that you are much bigger than your mind thinks you are. And that this pain, maybe, maybe you don't need it so much. Maybe it's not so real. So I do think that that there's a real process of shedding so that we can go, right, actually, this is what it all is. It is about trusting that this reality is no longer what I'm founded in, what I'm about. Do you think it's the ego that's really protecting us, that thinks it's protecting us? Absolutely. No, 100%. I think ego and pain are the same thing. And it's just, I think it's just um, serving its own end. And that's why it's even more difficult. It's really deeply embedded, this fear. And it's so deeply convincing and believes that it needs to convince us to hold on to that fear. Because if we let go of that fear, it's going to be very, very dangerous. Who's going to come around the corner and get you, right? So it's telling us if you let go of that fear, that shame, or that rage, or that jealousy, any of it, that bad, bad things will happen to you. Which is why getting out of patterns is so hard, right? Changing a bad habit is so hard because ego's there whispering in us, telling us that actually it's scarier to let go of that bad habit than it is to go into, into change. My parents used to say, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. <laughs> no. And that's what ego says. You, you're, I'm the devil you're going to love for a long, 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 long time. And now we're really just trying to get that beautiful devil off our back. Yeah. yeah, it's not easy. No, I think this is really hard. I think that we can get into a conversation that underestimates how difficult it can feel in the beginning. I also think that that difficulty is a bit of a delusion, maybe an entirely a delusion that we also need to get through before we realize, oh, I even constructed the difficulty. There's <laughs> actually not, none of that's happening either. But I think that pulling ourselves out can feel really challenging. Do you have any recommendation or a little tool or technique? I always come into my breath to help calm down my nervous system. I try to mention to some people, you know, let's just try taking a deep breath, but some people are not open to that. Or trust it. <laughs> they don't trust that they're actually going to do anything. So I think there's, if you're talking about sort of regulating that, that anxiety, that fear space that we're in, um, I'm not sure. Like, I think we have to build our toolbox and trust as we're building our toolbox that the more that we practice silence and presence every day, the more, more it'll be there for us. The more that we practice our breath work, the more it's going to be there for us. The more that we um, shift into gratitude versus blaming, the more that we, we know that that's going to feed our path. So I think we need to keep trusting that we need to keep building and feeding and practicing and filling up our toolboxes so that we connect uh, to that trust in those, those really innate wisdoms. Yeah, my toolbox has certainly gotten larger over the years. And I find for me, the two biggest life transformative practices for me 
have been stillness. Yep. Just, just not doing, just yeah. wait, just, just hold space. Mm-hmm. And the second is for me, self-compassion, because it allows me to be with it, to shift, shift yeah. my perspective. I can't shift my perspective if I'm beating myself up or somebody else. Right. Absolutely. I also look at it as directing the energy of compassion towards self is a healing. Look at it as a physics. We are taking this high energy of love and we're putting it into fear. The more we do that, the more we trust it, the more we feel it, the more we um, allow it, the more that the energy of love directed into fear will transform it the more we trust it. And I tell my clients that if you're starting out a practice of self-compassion, you need about two years to gain credibility, right? It's like being with somebody who's abusive and then they walk through the door and suddenly they're nice to you one day and you're like, what? Like, what, what are you doing? You don't trust it. You don't trust the, the love and the compassion that comes at you. So if you've been really hard and pecking at yourself and hostile towards yourself for years, you need to practice that intervention of self-compassion, give it a couple of years before there's something in you that goes, okay, I trust that actually you're not here to spring it on me or to harm me or to trick me, that I believe that you actually can heal me. So I think it's important to recognize our own limitations and some of the work that needs to shift some of these really old low-frequency habits. I, my, on a call for love, I say, all love begins with self-love. All. And why is it so hard for us to love ourselves? You know, when I was smaller, when I was little, I I remember once thinking that if you loved yourself, it was being selfish. There was this mentality. I know it's shifted now, but I just, all love begins with self-love. If we cannot love ourselves, I say this all the time, how can we love others, the planet, everything? Yeah, absolutely. We don't have it to give if all we are is emitting pain stories, right? So we need to heal our own inner pain stories ourselves as one source in order for the cup to flow over and to emanate outward for sure. Yeah, I think that's a big story. Why are we so hard on ourselves? And I think we can pick at it in all sorts of ways, right? Why we're filled with shame and our shame wants to control ourselves by going, don't expect to be loved. Don't expect you're good. Then you won't be disappointed when you experience rejection, right? So there's all sorts of coping strategies embedded within um, denying ourselves love from ourselves. But in the end, it's all just layers of delusion. It is. In your book, you say, what is real love, compassion, gratitude is true, and the rest we leave behind. Yeah. 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 All of, I think all of that fear, shame, and rage is what we're here to transform and to recognize that, uh, that where we're moving into are the higher, higher reflections of our being. And we feel those higher reflections in the practices of gratitude, right? And in compassion, acceptance. That's how we can bring those higher higher uh, frequencies in as practices, behaviors, and perceptions into this lower reality, this this dense reality. I love it and I believe it and I try to live it. Your book, just curious, how long did this take you to write? I know the experience was 
probably a lifetime. But as you wrote it, you know, maybe the duration and what is your goal here? What would, how do you want to see this influence or change the people who are reading it? Maybe not change is not the right word, but what do you want to offer to those who are reading this book? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that question, Linda. So the, the, you know, I've been taking notes compulsively every time I would like often when I have a giant integration, I'd have access to a whole mic. This is what's happening. I get it. I understand it. And so I compulsively write that down. And it was last year. Last year or the end of 2021? I'd have been such a blur, but it was only recently within the last two years that I went, there's a book here. Oh my God. And then it just flooded. It just came out, pulled in the right people to finish it, edit it. And it just, it just exploded. It was a very fast process. It felt very compulsive. And what do I want? Uh, you know, I think we've touched on a bit of that. One is to start to really add a conversation about the delusion of pain, to change the relationship to pain. And that's not to deny it some more and resist it some more, but actually, how do we get in there and love it? Because in that, we can transform it, that we need to release our attachment to pain. And we are so unconsciously attached to pain that we need to bring awareness to how we're connected to pain, how we deny its existence. We're so connected. It's like, this is too much that I can't even acknowledge it. This takes up so much space in my being that I just have to pretend it's not even there. We need to bring that into awareness. We need to start talking about the ways in which we keep holding pain stories in our reality and therefore recycling them or recreating them. So in this conversation, we, I think I'm hoping to bring more awareness how we are unnecessarily carrying it forward and how this is a time that we can start releasing it through changing our relationship to our discomfort, ancient, ancient discomfort. I think you do a beautiful job at that. And I think what you are also doing in mindfulness, it says the, the common humanity. What well, your, your message is also that you're not alone. Like this is something that we're all going through. And when you know it's not just you, then it becomes easier to open up to the experience of healing and transcending. Trusting to trusting. Well said, Linda. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Really beautiful. I'm so happy and grateful that I I literally stumbled upon this book and then we had a discussion so that you could be on a call for love because this is my mission. I feel as though we're always on a journey and where we are in the moment is just a beautiful place. For me, my journey has led from education to now, you know, health and wellness. And a call for love is really knowing where we stand. Are we standing in a place of love or fear and all the emotions that come with it? And I think that we both share in many ways a parallel of this experience. So I'm so grateful that you have been on a call for love. Oh, Linda, really, it's my total privilege, my honor to be here. I'm very, very grateful to share this space, to generate this energy, this connection. It's just truly beautiful. Truly, my heart's full. Yeah, I, I, I feel it too. So how can people, you know, get your book, reach out to you? Please share. The book's available, Amazon. You can order it in bookstores. There are some bookstores that have it. Um, 
So it's uh, on Barnes and Noble's carrying it, Indigo, like all the major bookstores are carrying it, small bookstores, you, you can order it. You can find me through my website, tribetocollective.com, all one word. You want to reach out. I do work one-on-one, although I'm booked into well into 2024. I do retreats in order to create community, healing through community. Some of them are plant medicine. Some of them are more silent. Yeah, there's a podcast just for reflections. I throw reflections on a podcast to try and generate thought and feeling. And I have video modules in order, once again, to feed the reflections on how do we start to think of ourselves outside of this 3D reality. So there's lots of stuff on Tribe to Collective if you're looking to if this feeds you and this sort of sparks something, there's ways to keep that going. But I'd love to hear from you too. Anybody who wants to reach out? Well, I will place all those links in the show notes so that everyone can find you at just a quick click. Thanks. I really appreciate it, Linda. Thank you, Antonia. Right. All the best. Lots of love. Big hug. Yeah, big hugs. Thank you for listening. It would mean so much to me if you could share this episode with someone you feel could benefit from its message and subscribe to a Call for Love podcast to receive new weekly episodes every Tuesday. Head over to globalwellnesseducation.com to learn more.